Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the Mitchin Podcast with Krill Dog and Andy. Hey, what's up and welcome to the Mitchin. You are sitting at the Mitchin table. It's a podcast. Every week we talk about food in Sydney and the people who cook it, write about it, serve it. And drink it. You can drink food, right? Um, if it's pureed, I guess. <laughs> uh, my name is Andrew Levins, and I host this podcast every week with my good friend Mitchell Orr, who is the head chef at Acme. He's sitting across from me right now, and he's going to introduce all the other guests that we have with us today. Uh, yeah, um, we got a couple of bigwigs in the building today. Um, as usual, we got Mikey Eggert. I'm the bigwig. He's the bigwig. <laughs> the biggest of wigs. <laughs> we have. We also have. Uh, Shaz, how do you even say your last name? I don't even know. Debrasini. Uh, Debrasini. Yeah, I always say it differently when I read it. <laughs> um, Shaz is currently working at LPs. Uh, has worked at Three Blue Ducks. It's had his own place up in was it Byron? Outside of Byron? Yeah, in Bangalore, just outside in of Byron. Bangalore. Um, general industry legend and uh, someone that's lots of fun to pick on when Daz <laughs> isn't around. Um, we also have the new editor of the Good Food Guide, Miffy Rigby. Howdy. Who everybody should know anyway. And uh, Mikey, you can take it away from there. Our last guest is a very, very special guest. We're honoured to have him. Stop there. That's enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very when, much, Mikey. When, when, when you think of this man, you think of people like Magnus Nielsen, <laughs> Rene Redzepi, <laughs> Peran Adria. These, these people are all associated with Daz. These are on the top of his... You know, wish list on Amazon. These are the books that he wants to read. You think of icons, you know, Ben Sherwin. You think of Chuck Taylors. These are the things that he's worn for 20 years. This is a man that we all love and respect. Uh, we've known him for 10 years and nothing's changed, even his food. Uh, we're really happy to have him. Uh, Darren Robertson's here, the only man we know that's gone from being a celebrity chef back to a cook. Thank you very much. It's very touching words there, Mike. Uh, so today on the show, we're going to be talking a bit about, uh, we've, got, we have, we've got some travellers at the table today, both Shaz and Daz have, uh, have been abroad recently. Not together. Not together. <laughs> Unfortunately, not this time. Um, Darren, you've just gotten back literally this morning. From, uh, I landed about 15 minutes ago. And my chauffeur picked me up kindly without coffee, without coffee or flowers. And all, all, all he wanted for payment was... In the shape was, of Big Mike. <laughs> all he wanted for payment, was he, he had to give you an embarrassing intro. That's the, that's the payment. Um, where have you been? You've been uh, researching quail eggs over in Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that. Lot, I was going to say, yeah, I, I just I, I spent a month in Indonesia, so I was doing a I was doing a I got asked to do a TV show for the Asian Food Channel. So it was going it was so it was exploring the kind of um, 
the unexplored areas, so little villages and towns that don't really usually get a look in, and places to me myself never heard of. Cool. Well, I look um, forward to hearing, hearing about yeah. them. Uh, we're also going to talk about a dinner that we had two two people at the table run over the weekend. It was the feral dinner. Um, Miffy and was Mike. It dinner or lunch? It was a lunch. Lunch. You can have dinner at lunch. You can have dinner at lunch. You can have breakfast at supper. There's no rules here. Uh, And um, we'll also just be talking about a few topical things. Um, I guess for the last couple of episodes, we have spoken at length about the review process um, recently that it's affected some restaurants that we like, or, you know, we we had some strong opinions yelled over the last few weeks, but we didn't have a, uh, a qualified reviewer at the table. Um, so I guess we can. You still don't really. <laughs> uh, I was talking about Darren, uh, but yeah. So I, I think you know we we, we have to, we've got to give that a little bit of a, a run through later on too. So if if you tune in for some controversial thoughts coming up later in the episode, but first, Darren, you were so almost about to tell us about your trip, but uh, no, that was it. That, that was, was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, so I did. Uh, so we did eight episodes in Indonesia, so um, places like Malang. Um, Sarong, um, Tomahon, yeah, places you, you probably haven't heard of, but um, all different and all have slightly different traditions and, and cuisine and, and dishes. So we'd go and spend four to five days in a location, go and check out their markets and you know she- chefs and which are mostly the ibu, like the, the mums. Then they would um, demonstrate, you know, talk us through their ingredients and a dish. And at the end, I would have to sort of try and cobble together my interpretation which sounds really cringeworthy you know this kind of westerner chef going there and pushing everyone out of the way and saying oh yeah this is how it's done so it's really you know so let's, I, let's I, work some quinoa into here do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean Indonesia doesn't have kale <laughs> does now <laughs> um, so it was, it, was, it was great it was a real adventure like it was pretty full on like it was you know some of the sort of standards of living you know um, we're, we're, we're so bloody lucky out here just with like the air quality and you know going to their fish market and there's dead sharks on the floor that's probably been there like smelled like it's been there for about two or three days like these haunting smells are so terrible but there's also some great stuff as well and some interesting you know ingredients and we got to try well I got to try um, jungle rat and snails and all sorts of stuff which was you know I've never tried any of that stuff before what does um, a jungle rat look like? And why didn't you serve them at the feral dinner? <laughs> no, we, so couldn't, we couldn't get them. We, we actually tried. Were you actually trying to get jungle rat? Fan, not, not, not jungle, but I, I love rat. I think it's great. Do you take your yeah. experience away? Well, so we went to a place called Tomahon. And um, I mean, if you Google Tomahon, one of the first things that comes up is this uh, market and the fact that they, they still eat these extreme meats. So they eat bats, snake, um, jungle rat, cats, dogs. It's kind of anything goes, which is really obviously like full on. So you get there and we did our... TV, beautiful shots with spices and garlic and shallots and stuff. But then the, the locals are like, you've got to check out next door. Like, this is where it's, where it's at. And I'm like, well, we know we're here. So we went next door to this, like, the full-on sort of local part. And it was just, yeah, it was exactly. Like, everywhere you looked, you're just like, Shut the f-. there's cockfights going on the side of the road. And it was just, it was really, and they had, like, dead snakes hanging up. And they were burning this, they, were, they had this whole hog on this bench. And they were burning the fur off with this blowtorch. So they just you've got this smell of burning fur whilst you're looking at dead dogs and cats, and it was just yeah, it was it was hectic. Like was, it was, was uh, that the most confronting thing you saw? Was that the yeah? To be honest, like for, like none of them. Thankfully, none of them were still alive. Like I just like I, I've really a bit of a problem with that. Like you know, but, but the, the one the, probably the worst thing I saw was just um, like you know the whole like buying chickens and just sort of stuffing them into a basket like they were like said, like they were oranges or bananas or something. It's just like well, but it's you know I mean I wasn't there to judge, just there to you know this is quite. a a very very traditional you know basic village and you know it's, it's quite certainly quite isolated 
And a um, very old was, culture as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. So I just sort of kept my mouth shut and was like, okay. Just far fine. removed from anything we see in Australia. Yeah, just uh, so... I mean, because we all travel to very similar places. We go to like, we eat the same things. You know, we go to Paris and, you know, New York's and stuff. And it's all very similar. It feels so familiar. But this was so foreign. You know, it really, I was like, wow. So we went... Yeah, I went to a restaurant afterwards and I actually got to try off camera some of the extreme meats and yeah and jungle rat was one of them and it tasted like yeah it's, to me it tasted like like grouse like mm. it was like really not as tender like quite, quite chewy to be honest but it like like a really gamey quite strong flavor which is actually quite delicious so good to hear someone start to say that a, a different meat tastes like and then not say chicken <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you, was, do you yeah. think that that has affected or will affect the way that you're going to look at cooking going forward that trip to be honest, I'm still, I'm still literally digesting it, and I, I, I think, I think <laughs> literally, yeah, <laughs> right now it, in the inside it, like, of Dan yeah, I just, just, just sort of all the information and all live coming yeah. at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I think it, it can't not do. I think all of you know we're all subconsciously, um, you know, uh, influenced by our experiences. So I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it. Yet. It was just surviving, <laughs> really. But I'm, I'm sure it will. You get back to your, the kitchen, and you, you know, you pick up little ideas and. I, I think, yeah, I think it will. It and will can, you, can you eat chili now? Are you? I, I, I'm a big fan of chili anyway. Like, no, we, you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been to Chairman Mao. <laughs> <laughs> Sat there with Morgan and Tom Lim, trying to act tough and sweating my balls off, <laughs> <laughs> trying to pretend that I was. At the, are you no. re- Are you ready to go back now? Should yeah, no. I'm, I'm, and... no mate, I've been eating. I've been eating sambal three times every day for the last month for breakfast, and yeah, so. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've been smashing the chilies. You do look a lot more rugged, a lot more ma- masculine. There's a thank you very much. He's he probably trepid. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't had his own personal makeup team with him for the last <clears throat> month. So no, no, that was um, yeah. Mags, ha- Mags hasn't been styling his outfits and his hair and stuff. Can no, I interject? Chairman Mao, the restaurant. It's a uh, like a, a southern Chi- Hunan Chinese Hunan, uh, yeah. uh, restaurant in uh, in Kensington. Kensington. It's not as hot as it used to be. Have you been recently? Down, have they pay it back up there. Yeah, I reckon you'd be fine, man. I uh, I haven't been for a while. You got to go with big group. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. It's too. It's yeah. too. It's, it's actually shit if you go as a two top, because you get like two things and yeah, no, that's definitely the, yeah. Things. Let's do it. Let's all go as a big group. And I, I don't. I don't know about this. Not hot. It was pretty I've, hot. I've, yeah, I haven't there. been for a long time. I have a mate who like uh, he can literally eat any. And like, he's he's done the level seven dodi padang noodles. That's, I did that that's, the other day actually. How fast through did you get? I, cu- I got about halfway through. That's and fucking impressive. It was horrible. Yeah, the entire experience was hell. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. But I was I, I was taking around this visiting journo from India. And I was like, well, I'm going to fuck you up. And so I took him there and I was like, you know what? We'll just go straight for the level seven. Anyway, we go there and I'm eating. And he's just like so happy and so calm and bright eyed and Miff. eating this. One second. Mags, Daz just hung up on you. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was my friend. Mags, sorry. I'll call you later. It's on. It's on. He's hanging up. It's on. Watch out. Can, conti- continue, Miff. Lock, lock up your daughters. Daz never goes back to Byron. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Miff. Oh, no, just that I suffered through it and it was horrendous. Um, Did the journo finish his? He finished his and that's why I only got halfway through. I was like, uh, otherwise uh, I would have put the spoon down after like two bites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, now, now that I've had level seven, I've had like level five and level four. There actually isn't that much difference. Like, once no, you because up once, it start, two, once just, you start going to that really bad burn, you can't taste anything well, anyway. Well, it's like they don't yeah. use hotter chilies. They just use more of it. Yeah. So yeah. You're out. You've taste, you're gone. It just like, ruins everything yeah. else. Two spoons in, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but Chairman Mao, I took him there as well and, and it was just like, you know, 
someone with a bottle of sweet chilli sauce. He was like, where's, what's the, where's the heat? What's going on? Well, <sighs> yeah, I mean, chairman's always uh, hotter for me because they are a lot less sweet than other styles yeah. Chinese cuisine. So they're more smoke and salt. And so then when you lay chilli into yeah. that... They have like a smoked pork belly that literally tastes like tyres. I, I love it. Though. Yeah, it's, it's so really... Good. And that's what I mean by you've got to go with more than two people because... You I can't like have the, that uh, dish. Their tripe dish they do, like, oh. where it's just oh. like paper yeah. thin tripe. It's really so delicate. Good. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. Maybe going with Morgi, like they really turn it up as well because Morgi loves it so much. Yeah, and... yeah, right. Morgi, you ruined it for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, I think I've only been with like in big groups. Uh, Morgi and Hongi have organised and stuff. Yeah, it's always been pretty pretty spectacular. Um, so from from jungle rats to. Shazza uh, Yes yeah. <laughs> uh, To just rats <laughs> I was going to say hood rats But I kept it um, So Shaz you were recently in uh, You toured through France Yeah so we had uh, Lib and I We went for three weeks overseas. Wait who's Libby Shaz Yeah I'm the everyman <laughs> uh, Lib's my partner um, So we had two weeks in We went to you know, other holidays we've been sort of mainly in Paris, but this time we went uh, two weeks to the south of France. Um, Lib used to live down that way. She lived in um, uh, Rayol for a, for a year. So uh, so it was quite a different experience this time. So it was eating in a lot of uh, like auberges and smaller, you know, regional restaurants, um, which is totally different cuisine to what you normally experience in Paris or anything like that. Um and we stretched all the way down through Provence and um, all the way down to Monton, right down on the Italian border. So that was that was really good. Um, one one place we went to, which was a real experience, was um, Shijou, and and Lib had been there before. And it's it's um, it's on a little beach um, near Cannondale, which is uh, it's on a it's on a pier. And they just have a wood-fired wood-fired oven. They just do lobster, gambas, mussels, and whole fish, and and that's it. And it's just one, with this one guy, and there's three big long tables on this pier. And the the funny thing is, though, which I'd heard about before, but she didn't tell me. But there's actually a nudist beach right next to this restaurant. <laughs> this uh, is the real reason. Here we go. <laughs> Yes. So you, you, you park up the you park up the top uh, up in the pine trees and you walk down, you know, over the rocks and everything. It's all. Does yeah. everybody do that, or is that the like yeah, the no, secret way? This, this that sounds every, like a pretty creepy way in. No, no, this, it's really hard to find, obviously. <laughs> and there's no there's no tourists there or anything like that. And were you let down by? Were you let down by the nudists? Were they what you were hoping for? No, they. Well, that's the thing. If we're walking down, and all of a sudden there's this like. 60 year old guy walking up at us and I'm like oh my god <laughs> and then there's a whole beach full of them and it's like oh, this is the place you were telling me about you, I didn't that's where you go together. for the 60 year olds <laughs> yeah. so on that sausage that could be a good segue here because <laughs> you are at LPs at the moment correct and you've been doing with Luke I would say some of the best charcuterie and sausage game in Sydney possibly Australia did you get any inspiration while you are overseas yeah definitely um, other than the beach there was a little place we went to in Nice called um, uh, La Miranda, and it's just a little, little, um, probably about twenty seater restaurant um, with one guy cooking in the kitchen. And um, I had a uh, andouillette there, which is basically um, it's a stomach, it's the stomach lining sausage, 
uh, and that's the filling. That's it. And this one, this one was pretty good. Like there was a little bit of mince in there as well, but it was so tasty. And it's it, these, these kind of sausages are just so regional. Yeah. They have them in, and each region is different to the others. Um, Does that mean you'll be making that? Because that's pretty exciting. Because it's one of the best sausages. It would be good to do an interpretation of that Sick. to have, like, say, you did a like a Chippendale on Diet kind of thing. You know? <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> What would what, describe a Chippendale? <laughs> That's pretty funny if you know America's Chippendales and then you start talking about Onduet. The Chippendale Onduet could be pretty good. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, is Libby mad that your French, pronou- French pronunciations have gotten no better after your time there? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 before I left this morning, I was checking a few things with him. She's like, just, just say, you know, the broader term. You've been practicing, practicing that all morning. Just call it prawns, don't call it gambas. <laughs> is that why you only mentioned the restaurant called Joe? Yeah. <laughs> she, I can see her cringing already. Because <laughs> Libs is fluent, isn't she? Yeah. Lips yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is very Which is handy travelling around. Yeah, you France. just wouldn't have said a word the whole time and just let Lib do everything. I'm just pointing at stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that over there? It's so true. You get so much more done, like, having her there. You are so much more efficient in getting around doing things seeing places it's just like jam-packed with more more to do yeah yeah it's tell great. me about shay joe because i you know you hear about the the whole seafood cooked on over, over coals in mostly in like asian countries southern asian countries um but what what would you how would they serve like what would they serve the fish with it's it's uh the the base it's so simple like there was uh whole roasted tomatoes just with garlic on them potatoes and there's one other simple ingredient with it and then they serve it with a little cup of um basically it's all the oil and the drippings that has come out of the grill and they just serve that on the side of it and they serve it on these big boards which are made of cork which is from all the local uh cork trees which is around it and they they are they're like they're almost sort of spongy they're not soft soft but it's just amazing everything's just from that region and that's interesting that's like the only other time i've seen that is the sardinian thing which giovanni showed me and he now serves like his suckling peak on cork boards yeah because that's a traditional thing in sardinia as well yeah i didn't realize that was anywhere anywhere else no it was is there a reason for it or is it just i think it's just using what they have it's it's so readily available and they're massive they're really long you can just see where they've cut them out of the trees and and you can actually, when you're driving around, you can see where the trees have been shaved off in in different areas. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really interesting. Did you get to cook while you were over there or was it just a purely holiday? Uh, like we stayed in a few Airbnbs and there was there was a couple of meals cooked at home just just for ease. But a, l- but a lot of it was buying um, charcuterie and terrines and different things and having them in the hotels as well. Because every... Every you know boucherie has all the terrines and it's just like they're and next, they're, they're so all next good. level yeah. yeah fuck yeah yeah lentil terrines that are just in inside around the meat and everything it's it's amazing yeah they're just that's almost the best thing about friends just like packing a bag and before yeah. I went Pus- Puskas had just been and he was like all I did was go to the go to the shop buy heaps of terrine or whatever I buy some cheese pack a little knife and a chopping board and just walk around mm. with my backpack and just snack on it all day. He he was in Provence as well, which we visited, and it's amazing seeing there. Like you think of France, you think it's all, you know, butter and heavy things. But as the further you stretch south, it's the the amount of olive trees, and as the fur- closer you get to Italy and 
you know, every table, it's it's not butter, it's olive oil that comes out and olives on the table when you have a drink somewhere. And, and they're really distinctive, aren't they? They're really different to that Italian style and Spanish yeah. style oils. They're really, like, they've got a real floral, like, sort of, um, almost like, I think because the lavenders and all that, they grow in the same sort of regions. It has yeah, a lot more perfume to it. It's amazing, too, around Rayol, the... Um, and Luba told me about this, but seeing it was is phenomenal. The amount of eucalyptus trees and wattle. It's just like being in Australia because it's so warmer down there and the drier climate and it's the smells and the, the scenery. Is, it's very similar around that place. It's almost slightly disconcerting though, isn't it, when you see it? It's just like, it, it's bizarre. I was in, I was in um, Saint-Tropez, which I would recommend never going to. <laughs> Saint-Tropez is hell on earth, I'm here to tell you all. Um, the but, old, the but little old it's, town's nice. Yeah, but it's, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But around there, it's the same thing. It's it's mm. wattle, it's gums, eucalypts, and it's, it's bizarre. Mm, what kind of what kind of wildlife live in the Australian plants over there? I don't koalas? Know. French koalas. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it was almost like uh-huh. you're going to see a kangaroo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm a koala. <laughs> oh, that was spot on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Better than Chaz. Someone, your, someone, your accent's coming along well. <laughs> someone get Pixar on the line. We've got a new character for him. <laughs> so, how long were you were you away for? Uh, three weeks in total. So we had two weeks, two weeks in France, and so um, almost a month. It sounds like you had a month of good food. Oh, oh. oh. Trumpets out here, like little segue. <laughs> Hang on, bing. Yeah, the, the segue ding. Um, Miffy, um, as well as running the Good Food Guide, has uh, spent a lot of time and effort putting together a, a month that we're currently in the middle of. That is Good Food Month, and it's a uh, Sydney event where different um, events featuring different chefs from all around the world uh, are put on uh, in, in quite high concept. Some of them. Um, you want to give us a run through of some of the events that you've done so far? Yeah, I, I think some of them were a little more high concept than others, but I think that was a really important thing with this year as well as we needed to kind of change it up. And just going back to that global thing, I know that I kind of do sound like a broken record about this, but I really do think that celebrating what we have here and celebrating the amazing talent we have in this country is really, really important. So one of the things I've tried to do with Good Food Month is not so much just rely on bringing some big-name chef over here and then just letting them in the opera house do a talk and some dinner in a fancy restaurant, but actually work with a bunch of guys to create stuff that's a little bit more local, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and well, we completely agree. Like we, we, Mitch and I were interviewed last week and they were like, who's your dream guest to get on the podcast? And it's like, well, it's kind of already having, happening. We don't really care about... Like, it would be great to, if we had an international chef on. That's great, but... Well, we got Daz this week, so it's ticking boxes. <laughs> but, you know, like, the, the point... international. The, the point of this is to focus on the scene we already have, and I, I think it's a, it's a shared sentiment. Yeah, thanks for that, Miff, because it's pretty good, like, from the chefs. Like, it's yeah. awesome for us, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, I think also the people who actually want to go to these lunches and do this stuff, they want to be excited. They want to see the pages of good food come to life and actually be connected with the people who are cooking the meals in their restaurants and I don't know and it's a bit of fun for chefs as well I think to actually kind of get to do whatever they want which brings me to the feral lunch that Mike and Jem and Barry put on uh, over the weekend at the Young Henry's warehouse which was Kind of a little unhinged. Would you say unhinged would be the right word? I don't Mike? think there was a fucking hinge anywhere near the place. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a door lying, lying on the floor. And the person that kicked the door down would Mike definitely Benny. be Mike Benny. So yep. massive, massive love. He's a he's an ex guest. He was the guy that taught us all about wine, and he 
fucking turned the place on its head on, and just it was awesome. He set the tone. It was, was worth it just to see Oscar McMahon, who as a part owner of Young Henry's, who's usually like a pretty loose guy. The look of like barely shaded fear in his eyes <laughs> as the place just started getting turned upside down. There was a massive food fight. Everyone was wearing ponchos. Somebody got hummused. Yep. And, and yeah, on that, like Oscar and the young Henry's guys, like we did the dinner and we got, copped a lot of the, the credit and the kudos, but you know, it's, it takes a really brave person to let like me and Gemma. And they didn't know you guys from no, Bar of Salt. No, not from shit. And you actually introduced us and they let us come and we briefed them and, and he was so down with everything. And we said, there'll be a food fight. We're going to trash the place. We don't want cutlery. We want everything on the floor. We'll scrub it out at the end. And, you know, they were so hospitable and welcoming and he had a whole crew of staff there that came and helped clean at the end of the day, which we were really prepared to be doing for hours. And between the two groups, like we smashed it out and, and we put on an event that I was so proud of, like, but let's go back a little bit to what that event actually was. And I think you're probably best equipped to, to talk us through <laughs> what it was you decided to do when you wanted to destroy the young Henry's warehouse. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so we got permission from Miff. She asked us if we wanted to be a part of... It wasn't really permission. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's permission. Because you, you said, do you want to be involved in October? And we said, yes. And you said, do you want to do a dinner? And we said, yes. And then most people say, okay, we're going to do a eight-course dinner and we're going to you know do something in a restaurant and... And we automatically went with an idea that myself and Gemma have been like sitting on for quite a while about embracing uh, some of the feral wildlife uh, in Australia. And, and you said, yes, yeah. so it was permission, I think. Um, and then Oscar came on board and then it all fell into place. And, and the dinner itself uh, had two sort of reasons. We just wanted to have fun, basically. Um, but I might the- add that it was also really delicious at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to interject. Like, the... the le- like- when these guys... I think it would be more powerful if you wait for him to describe the not, not delicious sounding things. And <laughs> Thank then, you, and then life you can, edit yeah. 11s. <laughs> uh, where's he at 2am in the morning? <laughs> okay, so we, we basically wanted to do it for a few reasons. So one was to have fun and have a party and just go crazy and be wild. And I think most people have always wanted to be a part of a food fight and they never really get a chance to. Um, and then we wanted to try to tap into a, a resource in Australia which is... Uh, it's there and it's not really being used and um, we believe it's like our answer to wild game. So um, you go to Europe and you go to the Americas and they have wild animals which you can hunt. They have seasons. Um, we don't really have that because you can't shoot native animals because 200 years ago, we, you know, between now and then, we've degraded the land and cleared forests and killed animals and introduced species. So we've really annihilated our native populations. So we can't go harvesting them with the exception of like kangaroos and wallabies. Um, but what we do have now is this phenomenal amount of feral animals that run around Australia and they do a tremendous amount of damage and they're also delicious. Well, we thought they might be delicious. We didn't know, but we thought, you know, why not? We'll have a crack. Um, so if we could prove that they were, then we actually are sort of creating an industry and hopefully some interest. And it's not actually for shock value. It's, it's an actual product. So uh, it's akin to like the grouse season, the duck seasons, all that in Europe. But we don't have seasons because they're feral. So just go out and get them and you know, ask your butchers. Um, we were really lucky. Mark Lorenz from Havrix Meats like hooked us up and got us in touch with shooters and did a lot of groundwork for us and was awesome and got all this food. So um, we got these products. So we did like um, wild rabbits. We turned into a terrine. We did uh, wild shot hair livers, which we made parfait out of, which were just beautiful. And like they would find a place on any menu in Sydney in any form. Like you just, they're so good. Like they're really good. 
Would they match with Kale and Quinoa? They would definitely definitely <laughs> match with Kale and Quinoa. Uh, they'd be fantastic. I don't think they'd taste as good without a few baby herbs and maybe some flowers on top, but I think that they could probably sort that out at the farm. So. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. I've got another plane to catch. <laughs> Come on, what else do you cook? Uh, then we had uh, a native Australian animal that was a feral pest. So in Tasmania, possums are, are, are pest numbers. They're from the mainland. That was a pretty long bow. That one. Well, it wasn't really. Like, it's a feral animal in, in Tasmania, which is part of Australia sometimes. Um, <laughs> and it's also part of uh, Australia and New Zealand sometimes, and it's a pest over there. So we wanted to show that, it, you know, it, and there's nothing wrong with taking a wild game animal that's Australian, So, but it is a pest. So we used that, and Shaz actually helped us make a fantastic possum worst sausage down at LP's. So full credit to Shaz, because it would have tasted shit if it was us making it, but he... He has his hand on the sausage. He knows exactly what to do. So, hey <laughs> uh, And we had other stuff. We had some camel, which is awesome. I'll be using camel for the rest of my life. I was so impressed with that meat. We had water buffalo. Um, we talk, to, talk us through the camel dish, because I've had camel before, and it was disgusting. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, Miff, you, you, you just... Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. Miffy, all these foods that Mike has been describing... <laughs> Don't sound very good. Uh, can you maybe reiterate that they were delicious? What? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. When these guys sort of came to me with the idea and we were talking through it and they, they, they described what they were going to do, I was like, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. Let's do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, actually, good food month. This is going to be terrible, but let's do it anyway. Terrible food month. <laughs> terrible food month. Coming next year. Um, coming next year. <laughs> coming to a restaurant near you. So, but then the camel kofta. It was basically like the most delicious camel meatball ever. Um, sitting on some delicious hummus and which someone actually got landed in the face with. <laughs> actually, I was a little bit sad about the food fight at, at some points because there were people actually throwing stuff I wanted to eat. <laughs> I think that always happens. Like every time I saw a kofta or like some of that rainbow trout or like a bit of possum worse go flying through the air. I'm like, that's my lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Did you mince the camel meat yourself? Yeah, so we managed to get some, uh, like, uh, I don't know what, they don't really have the same cuts. So it was was meat. And And it's not a very fatty meat, is it? Well, this was pretty fatty. It was pretty fatty, actually. But we got a bit of hump meat, as like a bit of hump, like, I don't know what that is, if it's, uh, collagen fat or cartilage or something yeah. bone? any no camels bone. listening if you could uh, call in let us know what the hump is made from <laughs> so you have to slow cook that do you? what's that you have to slow cook it no 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 no. Um, and like uh, honestly get onto this meat um, it's so good it's it, it, I think it's like akin to Wagyu as it cooks. Like, without any of the, like, wanker connotations of Wagyu, yeah. it, it doesn't render in the same... You know how when you cook Wagyu and the fat just stays in the meat? It's the same with camel. So we blitzed it in, made these meatballs, and it was so juicy and so fatty. It was sick. And that's, I think, probably why yours was shit, because they were lean. Yeah. When you get the fat in there, and there was no, like, pork fat or anything like that, like, with the rabbits and stuff like that, when you make sausage, you have to put pork fat in. But, no, camel's self... Self-juicing. You just but, have to specify for the hump. <laughs> yeah, I want a hump camel. So. <laughs> but let's talk about carpaccio. Okay, so that was yours. Um, carp. You know what? Carp's actually a really good fish. It's a, f- it's a ball ache. It's, it's just a ball ache. Uh, it's got like these hidden... Um, it was quite funny. So we're prepping this carp. We got a whole big carp and we were prepping it. And Gemma's like, oh, just like no pin bones. And I was like, no, that's bullshit, eh? Like she's like, well, you can't, I can't feel them, so I went over, felt them. We Is this a plug as well? What's that? No, 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 no. Just no, crowbar no. that one in. <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't know what pin bone you're talking about. <laughs> so we had the fillets and we're feeling through them, and like honestly, like it's unlike any other fish you've ever felt. You know, you normally run your fingers or anything, you can find a pin bone. Couldn't find shit, 
I'm reading on online because we were looking up for information. Everyone's like, oh, it's such a nightmare fish. It's full of bones. And we were like, oh, f- something's wrong here. You know what I mean? And we were trying to find it. It's a boneless fish. Yeah, and we were like, fuck. Anyway, so we got to the event. We're in this warehouse in Young Henry's. And we had these sides. And we broke them down into like top and bottom. We went to slice them. And then bang, sure enough, just bones galore. So we didn't have tweezers. So we're sitting there. Middle about of picking them out with the teeth. Pretty much, yeah. It was lucky it was a feral dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she did a great job and it's a great fish. It's just a really it's a real pain in the ass to prep. But anyway, Miffy came up with uh, a menu idea because it was a pun and wanted carp archio. And we thought this like the the wrap that carp gets we thought was gonna be just impossible to do. It's delicious. It's really good meat. It's it's texturally firm and I mean you ate it like you It was, it was actually like bizarrely delicious and yeah it was it was like i didn't expect it to be that firm yeah at all and it was it was like it was like um what would you maybe a little snappery yeah snappery cobra cobia kind of vibe but the the workload is a nightmare and the wastage is quite high lucky there's lots of them yeah but don't don't be afraid to to use them because and the other thing too like they use carp at the moment for fertilizers blood and bones for all these other side products so if we could just tag in and because i think on the, at the top near the head on the high side of the fillet you can get a nice piece out but it's like a like a uh, slice of bread size on a normal fish that's all you get from the whole fish so about six portions at three blue ducks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah on a good day. sorry Daz we haven't seen you in a month there's a lot there's a lot that's got to come out You've been yeah this honestly there would be a really great way to use them so the chefs wouldn't be in a ball ache and like uh, people in Australia really don't like eating fish with bones in it so I mean it would be easier if they just kind of got over that but um, it's okay they don't want pin bones in their fish that's fine so but there would be a way to process it and then use the rest of the fish in fertilizers the way they're doing it now and it, it's a great fish like it should be used right. and it's a fucking pest you know what I mean like it's really got to be taken care of so you smoked some fish as well right no we didn't everyone thought we did oh, so right. I saw a big piece of what looked like smoked fish on no it was just Instagram. roasted yeah. it was yeah, just right. roasted we didn't smoke it so we got these like rainbow trouts which everyone here has used at the table or eaten and normally they're small little 500 grammers to maybe 700 grammers and they're introduced species that were brought in for fly fishing um, there's a native brown trout but this is the rainbow trout and they go feral and they go huge and so we got these ones in and these boppers eh? they would have been like two and a half to three kilo fish where'd you get them from um the guys at Johto got them. So, mm-hmm. And they're, they're easy to get, so ask for them. So this is basically a cold water fish that lives in like shallow waters, so leaner. So, I mean, normally you want deep sea fish, the fat, the flavor, but there's a lot of uses for a leaner fish. So if you speak to the guys at, at Johto or any of the fish people, they'll be able to get you these feral like rainbow trouts, and they're huge. They look like an ocean trout, mm-hmm. um, but fresh water, and they're great. And, and we basically just brined it for... I think five hours in a 10% salt brine just to give it that to firm the flesh up because it is quite soft. You know when rainbow trouts are quite soft mm-hmm. so we firm the flesh up and then we just put a bit of miso and um, uh, like a burnt brown rice molasses on top and let it cure overnight and we just roasted it. And that's it. And nice. it, was, it was delicious. So it didn't. It wasn't smoked, but people thought it was. But it looked it. Yeah. No, just, was just, there dessert as well or was that? Just loquats. That's okay. it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I was hoping for cane toad. It just did not happen. Yeah, Miff's on this thing about eating cane toad. And is anyone doing that? Yeah, no, that see, like, good question. Can, can you do it? Because Marky, yeah. I, yeah. I was around his house a few months ago and, and he, like, he, just, smoking he, he just gets the golf clubs out and like, they've just... That's they're, what they're, we used they're, to do growing they're up. They're everywhere. Yeah. 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 But it is, like if someone found a way of cooking them and... Well, up north of the border... Australia's answer to fugu. 
Yeah. Just heat yeah. your golf club up first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up north where they spell beer with four X's, they usually boil them up and then reduce the liquor down and then like till it's dehydrated and they smoke the poison and they get really high. So I don't know. We love to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Anyway, so if you want to get high, you can get high. Sure. But that says to me that it's not deadly. Well, well, it's not deadly. Must be. Like so, but it's in the skin and in the glands. So there would be a way. It's just a processing. Who wants to go through that? To poison, yeah. poison, tasty yeah. toad. Yeah. Um, I haven't. I couldn't find any. I really wanted to do it just for miff, just to get it done. But it was. I couldn't. But if we could process cane toads, it'd be great. Mm. They're pretty poisonous, but because even the tadpoles are like yeah. deadly yeah. for fish and yeah, birds yeah, yeah, and yeah. shit. So. Why yeah. we need to start eating them before they start eating us. <laughs> you heard it. I mean, the first. native animals in Thank Australia you. have figured a way to eat them. So, you know, like yeah, the, the Australian ravens and the, the lizards, the monitors, and even some of the, the, the quolls have figured out the parts of the that, that they can eat and leave the rest. So, I mean, surely if they're can they do it. Can we can it. figure it out. If a quoll can do it, Mike Eggett can do it. <laughs> any any quolls listening, please. Once the camels have gotten through, give us a call. Let us know how to do it. Um, Miffy, have there been any other big uh, Good Food Month events that you've enjoyed so far or are they more still yet to come? Well, so far it's been pretty little. Like the, there's been the feral dinner, which is the amazing wild picnic actually with um, Mark LeBroy as well uh, out in the Southern Highlands, which was kind of pretty crazy. That was a lunch where everyone went to a secret location um, and there was a whole bunch of wild shot meats and they basically just made everything um, – from foods they just foraged or found or sneakily shot. So that was pretty cool as well. I think there's a, there's a pretty interesting movement going on where people are just getting a little bit looser with the concept of what actually makes a lunch or a dinner and they like getting creative. And it's, it's, it's pretty excellent. Um, the one I'm really, really excited about is the Ramen Rave, which is coming oh, up yeah. at the end of the month where we're bringing out Ivan Orkin, who is, mm. uh, for the players at home, this... Little dude, little kind of self-described skinny white Jewish guy from Long Island who basically just said one day, he went to the Culinary Institute and then just went, actually, I just want to go learn to make noodles. So he went to Tokyo, learned to make noodles and then discovered that he was actually pretty good at it and uh, started up a bunch of Tokyo ramen shops. And, uh, basically, all the big wig Tokyo ramen masters were like, actually, you're pretty great. And he became really successful, opened a couple of places in Manhattan, co-wrote some cookbooks with Chris Ying, who is the editor-in-chief of Lucky Peach, is also coming out, and sort of tours the world now peddling delicious ramen. So we've got him coming out to Australia. And Mitch, talk us through the dish you're going to be doing for for the dinner. Uh, I'm going to do like a play on matzo bray, which is like a traditional Jewish egg dish that they eat over Passover. Um, yeah, so the sort of brief for the dinner was to take an ingredient from ramen and use that as inspiration for a dish. So obviously eggs are a pretty big part. So I just uh, I messaged Nacho Pop and I said, Nacho, what's our... Nacho is uh, Mitch's ex-housemate. He is a professional break dancer and uh, can be heard on the most recent episode of Hey Fam. Cross, cross, what's it? Anyway. Is he coming Motion. to the dinner? <laughs> no, Why does um, he know about this food? <laughs> he's he's oh, yeah. Jewish. And he's Jewish. That's the so, important part. No, you're the worst <laughs> every man ever. No, Breakdancers break love eggs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I messaged Nacho. I was like, yo, what's a, what's a traditional Jewish egg dish? And he was like, I don't know. I'll ask my dad. <laughs> so he messaged his old man. He came back and said, oh, mozza bray and blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, it's basically scrambled eggs with mozza which is like an unleavened Jewish bread 
mix through it and they serve it with, you know, sometimes tomato sauce or sometimes maple syrup. And Nacho would have his with bacon, but he wouldn't yeah, tell anyone. So it sort of depends <laughs> on, you know, how your mum would make it for you or whatever. So I thought that would be really cool as Ivan is... Ivan's Jewish and... Sorry to give you guys a description of what I'm watching right now. Daz is trying to pour himself a cup of tea. But is I'm re- so dehydrated. I've had one glass of water in about the last eight hours. How long has it been since you've had to pour your own tea? <laughs> but the best I'm thing about... Wait for you guys. No one's taking the hint. The best thing about that was he was refusing to put his mic down even though he wasn't talking into it. <laughs> He's a true professional. So I've done it now. Okay. Well done. <laughs> Three drops in that cup. He's drank the whole pot too. Yeah, himself. when you hear the clicking in the background, it's him looking for more beverages. <laughs> uh, Miffy, who else is cooking at the Mar- Ramen Rave? Okay, so we've got uh, Mitch, and then we were going to have Parsi Patanen as well, but he has decided to go back to Finland and jump out of his grandmother's 70th birthday cake. He tells his words, not mine, and I really, really hope we get some photos. Wow. We're trying to work out exactly how Parsi would breathe in the cake, and I was thinking snorkel or candle-shaped straw. Also, no offense to Parsi, but like if I was a seven-year-old woman, the last person I'd want to see jump out of my cake is my grandson. <laughs> surprise, Nan, or however they say surprise in Finnish. Look <laughs> off. No way. Edit. <laughs> Bing. That's the edit sound. Whenever I say something terrible. Um, so we have so he Carl Furler from Oscillate Wildly is going to be taking his place, and then we have uh, Hongi and Paul from Ms. G's, and we have uh, Ben Sears and Un from Moon Park, and I think he was sort of probably the least prepared at the briefing. He was like, "I'm just going to do some stuff, stuff, maybe shake a something, chicken something." And then just sort of sat there downcast. In true Bensi style. <laughs> yeah. And he, but his dish will probably be the fucking he'll, tastiest. He's, he'll, he'll, he'll probably end Is up this event sold out yet? It's sold out in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, wow. if it's not, get so on. That we're not so good. So suck shit because you can't come anyway. Yeah, so basically, is there, is basically, there anything that's no, not sold out? sold out? Everything's sold no, out? No, not everything. Actually, there is one cool event that isn't sold out. Um, well, there's two. Um, but the one that's actually going to be on when this podcast comes out is the How I Eat talk which is jonathan gold who is probably my greatest food writing hero he's the food writer for the la weekly and he's kind of best known i guess for his sort of high low sort of mix when it comes to writing he's like just a beautiful elegant writer but then just writes about like the worst most disgusting street food in the worst parts of la so you know that's that's for me i've kind of modeled my voice and my sort of career on what he does. I just think he's a hero. But he started off just writing about hip-hop and punk and then sort of through following these bands around started to eat and started to write about that. And I think it's just... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He's got a really, really cool story to tell. So it's going to be him, Chris Ying and Terry Dirac are going to be talking about how they eat, why they eat, the culture around eating and food writing. Um, and I'm going to be moderating that. And it's going to be the Art Gallery of New South Wales. And then off the back of that... We're when also, is that? When is that? That is on the 25th of October. So the same day as the Ramen Rave, but in the morning. And we're also going to be premiering his documentary in Sydney as well, which is called City uh, of Gold, which is all about eating in LA. Did I get invited to that? No. Yeah. You want an invite? Fuck yeah. I think there's a two-for-one deal going for industry people at the moment. So if you buy... So it's not, not really an invite. You're we still got not to, no, we got an email for, We got an email for some movie, but I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the Bradley Cooper That's one. the Bradley Cooper movie. Yeah, I want to see that too. That's all right. Free, freebies. <laughs> I'll take them. Chasing em. that Michelin star. <laughs> I'll take them. Um, so a lot of these events sell out. Do you guys get to write about them afterwards? See, that's the problem with a lot of these things. All the things that excite me most, the stories I want to tell most, are based around things I can't really write about, except for the Feral Lunch, which we have published a story on because I think that's a larger movement in Australia and I think there's a bigger story to tell there. So when there's a really brilliant story to tell... Um, we're going to... Mike's making some face and I don't know why. Did it come out? I never saw that, the article. It hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I I thought it's been like two days, man. Two days, dude. Chill back. (laughs) It's got to be relevant. H1 News. Yeah. It's not fucking the Mitchin. It's got to be up to date. If it was a a new restaurant, they would have reviewed it in in seconds. (laughs) Um... But I mean, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I definitely think there's a platform for because these events, so much time and effort goes into them, and they're so cool and they're quite exclusive, really. Um, and it, well, it's I, only because they're really, really great ideas. You just like they're not sustainable for a huge audience. That's the problem. I'd love to see more, more, more writing about them in, in, uh, afterwards. You would? Yeah. Is that a thing? It is a thing. More things. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, it doesn't have to be in, in the actual paper, but you've got. The but online. don't you think though that writing about something that no one can go to is kind of a bit shit? No, no, not if it's already happened. Not if you're like, I'm going to this thing and you can't go into it. That's shit. But if something's already happened, like I don't know, I feel like it's a it's a good way of it's a good way of of just remembering what a great event it was that lots of people didn't get to go to. Yeah, but they can you know steal I ideas from it. I don't think you're talking. Like, I don't think you realise that the people that comment on all your articles are the people that read what would be written, so... We had... <laughs> Maybe we had, they don't give a shit as much as our, The Feral Dinner was 50 seats, and we had 38 people turn up. So, that's the shittest part, because we had 12 seats available for people to come to that event. Mm. You know, so one, we took a bath on cash, which seems to be a reoccurring thing with every pop-up I do, so I'm going to have to do some. But that one, I think you weren't... you. People didn't prepay for that one too. I think if that they had prepaid, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, we don't have the capabilities without a restaurant at the moment to take prepaid. I agree. Though. I think I, like that's the stuff I want to hear about. Like all the, like 
some of the time at the moment the most exciting food is being done in these like the pop-ups where there's no rules mm. you can't kind get of reviewed there's really you know, a lot of mm. places, yeah, you know, people are doing them right so yeah. Yeah. Not, not us, but and people need cool. to get over FOMO like I mean I, it's cool just to read about something and have me like oh wow that was cool like I don't I don't really read yeah, them I like, don't think oh, you have to man. be there it's just carry on yeah. you know what that night achieved and you know it's just like these legendary gigs like, I guess know, the thing is from a service journalist point of view though is that it's not if you can't go to it if you can't experience it it feels like it's not of use to a reader. Am yeah, I wrong I, about that? I don't, I don't agree with that, no, but I totally I, see where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 mean, and I think a lot, some, like some occasionally these 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 kind of events slightly change our industry, and I think I think that sh- that should be documented. documented. But, but every, I, think, and I think if there was more of a, a voice and a spotlight on these, it would inspire probably more people to you know that that should never be the reason. To, to get there's, the there's a review of concerts in every every Saturday paper. You know what I mean, and and I don't see that. There's no. I mean, I'm, I don't. Uh, people that read the review of like the Listen Out Festival that happened a couple of weeks ago, they're not going to be like, oh, why did you write about that? I can't go to it now. So I don't. I don't see that. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's fair. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. only generate more interest for next year too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, good food. Look like, like it doesn't necessarily have to be in the newspaper. Know? I don't know. I, I just. I, I. I. I love preserving something that's already happened. I'm very nostalgic, and I love reading about. You know, I love that, mm. like, on my website, some, an article that I wrote, not even an article, like a blog post I wrote recounting the stupid stoner dinner that we, that we did seven years ago now. I love that dinner. That, that's still one of, like, the second most hit articles on, on my website. And even for people that attend these events, there's things that they might forget or, you know, and it yeah. reminds them about it and they can... And I, yeah, I, never, I missed out on that bloody dinner and I've read about it in so many blogs. Yeah. But I kind of feel like I, I you know, and it was quite, I think it's quite an important little, you know event for you know for, for Sydney and the, back then and I, I kind of feel like I went there like I just it was, it was a bit know, of a game changer bottle water and, yeah, yeah. yeah Daz missed out because he started early and couldn't actually find his way up the stairs into the <laughs> restaurant so he was intending was, was but working. he just never made it <laughs> but I mean look we, we've started talking about writing we may as well uh, bring up some things that we've spoken about in, that in was the a past. great segue Les. well done <laughs> <laughs> ding uh, so I mean in the past we've, we've spoken at length about the, uh, I mean, the the big article that we spoke about last week when Bestie was here was the um, John, I'm going to mispronounce his name uh, Jonathan Lethlian John Lethlian Lethlian oh, J-Lo J-Lo perfect uh, from the Australian wrote an article uh, I guess criticising um, the Australian dining scene especially the young restaurants um, are you are you allowed to, to kind of talk about that at all? I don't want to put you in a position where I read that story I didn't see it as criticism what? Am I? Did we read the same story? Was this the one where it was like, "Here's some really cool stuff that you can go and do, but there's still a place for um, restaurants that are a little bit more classic." Uh, maybe don't, you missed don't the turn, line. Don't turn tables. You can't do anything unless have a person sitting on the phone 24 hours a day taking phone calls. There's a fuck with. <laughs> so Mike loved it. Um, maybe no, I just scanned it very quickly. Yeah, I there was. I mean, the line I was. Did it. Oh, the ah. line was like that. Really got me. It was like, um, you know, here are all these big inventive ideas and yeah I appreciate them but where can the can the everyday Australian go to just have a nice night out yeah but hang on a second guys can you say clickbait yeah sure can yeah, you say shareability you can, say can you say opinion piece but, but the, it was, it was in readers? a newspaper you can't click a fucking oh, newspaper totally. if I can yeah. can online <laughs> you can't click a newspaper why can't I swipe right <laughs> I don't want to talk about that article anymore but beyond that that led to a discussion of uh, of I guess the review process, and and I mean, you have. A, I love your your article in um, in Good Food each week. is is about It's not necessarily about a brand new restaurant. You you do write about some new restaurants, but it is about like things that necessarily haven't been written about before. You're 
it's that going back to what Jonathan Gold writing about like weird street food you kind of have your version of that each week um, is, is, is it got a name that article it's called hot plates hot plates beautiful um, so you're kind of devoid you, you don't really I guess you know the criticisms that came from last week was that um, <clears throat> restaurants are reviewed within the first week of them being opening a lot and uh, a lot of the chefs at the table disagree with that but the argument is that the newspaper needs to get the readers before someone else does because they've already done the review. So, I mean, what's, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? I have a lot of thoughts on this and they constantly contradict each other. So, are you ready for a whole lot of nonsense? Yeah, let, 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 guys, the nonsense talk has got to begin. All right. So, my feeling is having been a reviewer at Time Out who did score, uh, at the time when we launched the magazine at Time Out... Broadsheet kind of launched a couple of years later and Broadsheet would come out with a preview piece. They don't review and I think we really need to be very clear about the fact that Broadsheet is just previews. Absolutely. It's almost like they rewrite a, a restaurant's press release. A lot of it is just rewritten photos. press releases and having written quite a few of the press releases off the back of things like events and then reading the things that I wrote rewritten. <laughs> I'm just like, well, that's how you get your information. But, you know, I guess, I mean, from, from like a general reader point of view, Broadsheet's very useful because it's an incredible from guide. From a general reader point of view, they don't discern the dif- like they don't discern between a review and something in Broadsheet. They don't see the difference. And talking to a lot of readers, all they want is pictures and they want two lines telling them what it is, how much it's going to cost them and whether it's cool or not. And are people like them going to be eating in that restaurant? That is what the average diner wants. When it comes to longer reviews, and I am number one person here to say, look, I I think that reviewers are important, and of course I'm going to say that's my bread and butter. No, I think everyone at the table would agree. <laughs> but N- reviewers are important and integral. And to, in, to in terms of that earliness, yeah, yeah. Look, so I can tell you now that as a restaurant critic and every restaurant critic I know, no one wants to be in the restaurant in the first week. No one wants to work that way. But we're forced to because if we don't, we lose our readership. Yep. That's just the way it is now. Miff, when you were at Time Out, did you, when you left, did you leave a, a drawer just full of five stars? Like, <laughs> is that all that's left there at the moment? I'm really enjoying all my articles being rewritten with five stars now. That's interesting. Uh, they're not so much written, they just colour in the last one. It's just pretty quick. Like, they must churn them out now. Um, it got brought up uh, that that yeah we understand that 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 you need to be first with that review, but um, we would love to see like a follow up review of the same restaurant a couple months down the track. Do you reckon that's possible or not even a couple months, six months, a year, something? And it does. We said it doesn't even have to be in the paper, but online, something to show the growth and maturation of a restaurant. From those first two weeks when all the kinks are worked out and the restaurant's found its feet. I think that's why we have the good food guide, right? Like, that is what the good food guide is for. The good food guide is a reflection of what's happening in the industry year on, year out. So, we review everything fresh each year. So, every year, you have a new opportunity to kind of showcase what you're doing um, and actually tell your story. And the good thing about reviewing something fresh every year is that it can change year on, year out. And so, I mean, I I totally see where you guys are coming from. I really, really do. I don't know how much the average reader 
wants to like I don't know what the interest is for the average reader to see that many stories about the same place totally um, Darren what do you think about that <laughs> <laughs> oh, Darren's fallen asleep. <laughs> Daz, Daz, Dazza, Dazza. Miff, we also spoke at length about um, scoring of restaurants, and it sort of came up when Auto Tomato was reviewed, and that Terry wrote a really glowing review, and then scored at fifteen point five. And we said, "There's nowhere in that review for the restaurant to see where they can improve to get." a better score if they were aiming for two hats or a 16 or a 17 out of 20. And we spoke about, you know, maybe the score could be broken down in a certain way so everyone could see, okay, they scored this much for the food, this much for the atmosphere, this much for service, this much for wine and that kind of thing. Do you think that the current model of reviewing where it's just a person's opinions and informed opinions and then a score is getting a bit outdated and it's... There's no uh, clarity for the people who are getting reviewed in a way and there's often no way for them to say, okay, we're doing this wrong and this is where we can improve. Do you think that's something that might be looked at? Well, I mean, in the Good Food Guide, we actually do have a score breakdown in the front of the book and mm. if you go online, you can also find that score breakdown for all of Terry's Yeah, but stories. that doesn't actually say... They, it says this is how that 20 points is broken down but then it doesn't say the restaurant got... It's oh, you want to see amount. specific details? Yeah, sort of. It's just, no I think a little more, de- maybe even a couple of hundred words more, a review, you know, just to give them more, like Terry and yourself, a little more, like, uh, leeway to, to break a restaurant down. Because as you said, like, Broadsheet's already doing the, it was here, it was nice, it is this much, and it is open. So I think to, to counter that, you can't beat them for speed because they post the same, the moment they're there. So beat them at quality, like get a bit more length in the article and, and delve into it just a little bit more. Because even if, if it's got to be a short period of time when you write the article, give it some legs, like give it some depth, give it... Yeah, we, we should put in this point, this is what we want, not necessarily what readers want. So, yeah, and see, we're very aware I, I, I of do that. need to clarify the fact that we're there for readers, we're not there for chefs. And if, yeah, yeah I, I think if, if, we, if we're just talking, talking personally about our own businesses, we, we also have the option to contact whether it's you or exactly i mean you know i know for a fact that terry will always give you as much criticism as you want if you send him an email he will actually he will actively break down exactly why he scored how he scored and what the issues if any were like yeah but he's really helpful like that yeah no doubt but saying that i think readers would like to see the breakdown is the review yeah, just, well. just the chef want to like if you go into absolute specific and say you know the, the, the steak was shit this was crap that was bad there was like and just identify all all of that firstly there's probably not going to be enough no no I'm not space saying space to write we're not, no, we're not, we're not saying I, that. I disagree like Jay Rain is one of the most read reviewers in Jay the Rain world Jay Rain is one of the most boring reviewers in the world <laughs> yeah but he's he, fuck, he's got a readership and that's so what why? well weren't you guys just talking about this is what the it's readers want for readers yeah so I'm just saying I'm just playing devil's advocate and actually let's just break down the fact that it's not Jay Rayner's readership it's the Guardian's readership it's not Jay Rayner yeah but they employ him so what they could employ anyone so what they got money so <laughs> if he was shit they'd get someone else bullshit let's fucking let's... celebrate the mediocrity worldwide if they were shit they'd get someone else how many times do you think that fucking happens oh, look <laughs> alright Guardian... okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway is, is the review each Tuesday's review that Terry does mm. is that Purely his score, or is that like you sit around? No, with no, him no, no, no. That's his score. That's so just that's just Terry on his own. Score. Yeah. yeah. 
Tuesday yep. is Terry and the, the Good Food Guide is everyone. everyone. Yeah, so the Good Food Guide works a little bit differently because we do have uh, a senior reviewing panel. So with each of the scores we give at the Good Food Guide, we sit down for a few hours a week over and over again actually going through those scores. Mm. Levens, you've been part of the larger... The, the junior, is that my, my official title? Junior the reviewing? Baby reviewer. <laughs> Little guy. Little guy. That was a fun experience. Yeah. Um, I really loved, uh, so like a little, little inside info, we all met, all the, everyone that wrote reviews for Good Food Guide this year met twice, first to kind of meet everyone and learn the rules and for those of us who was their first year, it was a pretty eye-opening world into like because the well, amount it was my first year as well, so it was eye-opening for me too. And everyone, all of the senior reviewers, like you know, they, they let everybody have it. They were arguing about about minute and like it was it was crazy. But then the second time we, we met, it was why are we using this blue font? <laughs> Straight I would up, love that, to was, have, that was uh, a ten-minute discussion. Max attended that, and it was you know, and she sort of you know sort of discreetly described the night, but. I would love to see that. I, I wish I could have been the fly on the wall in that in that room. It's it's it's, it's reassuring to hear that, like there's people now like you know dinosaurs of our industry that are still so passionate about yeah. And what, we're, what by no we're means doing. Not and, saying you know, it's, they it's, don't that's take amazing. it seriously oh, or they no, don't no, have no, no, responsibility no. You don't need or anything. To back it up. I get where you guys are coming from. Specific, like I really get it. I just have to defend what I do. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're not we're not attacking what you do. But no. we're saying it's been this way for. 20 plus years or whatever like our industry has to keep evolving to survive mm. like don't you feel that you guys need to evolve in a way as well to I would, keep I, no, I would say that Miffy being hired is evolving for sure I think so Absolutely. too I think so too like but you know you're younger than previous editors and stuff have been and you sort of have your finger more on the pulse but the head reviewer is still Terry who all the respect to him and stuff he has earned his place etc etc but when Terry decides to give it up are there people coming up behind him and stuff? And then will th- things maybe evolve in a way along the lines of what you want them to as well? Will we see a return to the Matthew Evans style of reviewing? <laughs> Can you describe what that is? He got, he got killed. No. Matthew Evans? That was because of the Coco Roco. Like, that was the end of yeah. Australian yeah. reviewing. And that was such a shame. Exactly. Such a shame. Yeah. Like, yep. It was really amazing. Tell you what. Matthew, Matthew Evans reviewed a, a restaurant called Coco Roco or something like yeah. that. And, uh, and Which is actually two restaurants, Coco and Roco. You can find the review. It's still up on the on the Herald website if you look it up. It's not that bad of a review, but he got sued. sued. Sorry, the paper got sued because of it for millions, and the and the restaurant won. And at, at university, eventually, at university yeah. studying, yeah. you and you have to do a law um, uh, segment within your degree when you study media. Is that is one of our case studies? It's so crazy. And wow. you have, like libel is huge, and like yeah. it really has changed the way that we use language. Yeah. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you can argue it both ways. I think if you read that review, it's not as elegant as it could be. Like he didn't have to be too careful about the way he communicated. So he, it, well, a lot of it's quite ham-fisted. Whereas if you look at something that gets a similar score now, the language is different. But the mm. message is still the same. And I think we've just, we have had to evolve as critics to learn to not say things rather than just say things. Yeah. And I think readers have had to become more sophisticated and learn to read between the lines. Yeah, it was just such a shame for creative writing, though. Yeah. Well, is, that, is that what John Lethlean's trying to do? Is he trying to delve back into that style? I don't really care what John left. <laughs> yeah, no one does. When I um I went for a job at Time Out uh, earlier in the year, and I submitted a few articles that I'd written for 2000, and th- one of the first things they said to me was like, "Aren't you worried that you're going to get sued?" 
because I've, I mean, I don't think I'm that critical, but I will make jokes and will kind of fabricate stories just to purely entertain myself within a review. Mm-hmm. Has that ever been a, a, a worry for you about about the legal yeah, action that can be taken? Definitely. I mean, I've been doing it for a decade now, and and it's. It's something where you do just need to be careful and I feel like there's as much a responsibility to your readers as there is to the chefs and these small businesses because they are small businesses. Yeah. And that's the thing like you and can say a livelihood. Your, your responsibilities to your readers and all that, but you realize this obviously that review has a massive impact on a person's business. Absolutely, I know that. It's it is the party line, though, is that it's your readers first. Mm. Yeah. We, we don't write for chefs. Yeah, no, but, obviously. But we are, we are acutely aware of how responsible mm. we are for pe- people's businesses. Who does, though, Miffy? Who's writing for these poor fucking <laughs> chefs? <laughs> no, I don't think it's about writing for us, and I don't think it's this... Not. I don't think us this is the French koalas. <laughs> I, I don't think this, this discussion is anything more than trying to, to move the industry forward from both, like both fronts. And I want the Sydney Morning Herald protected as much as you guys do because if Broadsheet and Thousands and Concrete Playground and all those places take over and are the, the if they it's knock not good, Sydney it's not morning it's for shit anyone. for us like it's yeah. fucked I don't want that I a little you know, bit like, need to discuss the fact though that does anyone ever look at the numbers that Broadsheet does no, we don't do we because the numbers are small They've yeah. got huge social presence, but they don't have huge numbers. No, no, I know, but you know, like so. But we're saying we don't want it to go that way. We're yeah, like I we, want it to. We I think we're all kind of like crying a little bit into our cereal when we don't need to. I think broadsheets, be, like I think, uh, okay, not, let's not use broadsheet, but like, but for, sorry for you to say that, that that they're doing small numbers, they're still doing enough numbers for it to affect the Herald. Absolutely, and overseas, Absolutely. similar companies are becoming the. Your fucking Yelp yep, and TripAdvisor are knocking reviews yeah. out, and I don't want that. Like, I don't want Sydney or Australia to be unreviewed because it's it's fucked. You know what I mean? And and it's young guys coming through, we need reviews. We need them relevant, and we need them topical. We need them to engage with the readers, and we need them to engage with the chefs. So we need everyone to be a part of it. And I, it's as Mitch said, like it just has got to be progressive. I think your reviews are progressive. I think the way you've done the guide this year is really progressive, and I'm. I'm really happy for that because it's it's finding another niche, a new niche. It's 2015. Next year's 2016. Like things change. Like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook changed the game. Broadsheet changed the game. Like you've got to stay on top of things. Might have a small readership now. Let's not let it get bigger. Like let's not take the influence out of the Sydney Morning Herald, which w- the chefs in Sydney have had. I, I oh, think let them, let them get bigger, but let them be separate. Yeah, but that's where we need and to define the lines. And become more informed and educated as well. But they're not so going they're, to because their market is yeah. is responding to what they're doing. So you've got to accept that. That's fine. But so keep the our... The more oxygen we're giving things like broadsheet, like talking about it right now... The, like, yeah, but the, you, can't the ignore, more, you can't ignore it either. No, I'm not yeah. talking about ignoring it. I'm talking about the fact that there's no point freaking out about it and we just no, need to when, do a better when, job. We're not freaking out about broadsheet. Mm. Like when broadsheet rings us up and goes, we want to do an article about Acme opening, we don't... Oh, no. Yeah, sure. No worries. But when your review's coming out in the SMH, that's the scary one. You know what I mean? Here's one, though. How tough is it to figure out who the hell you give exclusives to? That's the fucking killer these Give it days. to me, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> not much to figure out. It's I'm tough, right here. man. You've got gourmet. You've got, it. You've got them all. Like, it's so tough to do it. It's like you just want to open. You know, you just want to cook. Yeah. You just I want to do an event. I used to like, say, it's like, you know, treat, treat 
them all the same with the same amount of respect whether yeah. it's you know the Wentworth Courier or Vogue Livian or and, and, that, and that See, was a, that's and that, awesome and that was a really great rule I think it's and said because you, you know you never know who's going to be reading that thing and that was and that kind of really stuck with me now there's you know a thousand times more but there's bloggers and there's Christ and there's, you know and we you know we get inundated all the time so it's hard to maintain that enthusiasm for all the inquiries but you still just have to you have to just see you know just Given what they kind of need, and yeah, It'll but you're be, right. I mean, the the, the Sydney Moore Herald is the is the scary one for, yeah. and for like, all of us. Like that's the one that's just like. Mm, mm, well, it's just you know, it's it's like yeah, it's yeah, it's I what think. we you know when you're training and you work for guys and stuff. It's that's the pinnacle. You yeah. know what I mean? So you like you're sort of brought up being like, oh fuck, the reviews coming out. I, oh, I never, I never want that to not be. You know the news agent just closed it I, I'm yeah, gutted yeah. 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 And I, people outside of Sydney probably don't know this But the news agents on Oxford Street um, Open all gonna, night Yeah open all yeah. night They used to get the paper first And it's like It's a, it's a really it's small a It's a ritual thing that yeah. the that, chefs do When I lived in Paddington That was where I bought the newspaper Where I read the um, the Duke Bisto review the, 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 I bought the um, review for Ms. G's there yep. Um, well, yeah. you, you go there at midnight as soon as the paper gets delivered yeah. and you buy it the night and they before. go to Cancellas until you get a, a, a beer sit yeah. at the table and then with trembling hands <laughs> I, I remember going there for the LPs one and oh, the, paper, the paper hadn't arrived yet and you asked the guy is the Herald here and he goes no not yet are you a chef? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know. That's amazing. I yeah. love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I never want that to leave Sydney. Ever. I hope yeah. not. That's but that yeah. news agent's that gone news now. So yeah. thank you, Sydney Lock Outlaws. You're fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Service stations still serve newspapers early. Yeah, but that's the one, man. That yeah, was the that place. Was the one. That was that's the one. Like yeah. part yeah. of the heritage. Cultural, cultural touch point. Yeah, it was because you had like Gaslight and Cancellus and. You know, even like the kebab shops. Waiting was, rooms. Yeah, yeah the, that's <laughs> Mif, it. Mif, I will say that when you got appointed good food editor, like the whole industry was really happy with that because that's a step in the right direction. And, and that's, that's not to say Joanna a, wasn't doing a great job no, no, either. No, no, and, no, and that's coming from, that's, that's that's coming from the younger chefs. Yeah, that's just coming from us at, at our age. Joanna's, yeah, yeah, Joanna's yeah, fucking great. Joanna's got a finger on a pulse and everything still and she's fantastic to do with. But seeing that they were willing to, you know, Joanna had moved on or wanted to do other things with their career etc etc and that they appointed someone younger with you know who's sort of more in line with our generation is like it's showing that they care and want to progress as well and there's things that you've done in the guide and with good food month that show that so we just hope it continues as I, so Terry Durack, um, obviously Sydney Morning Herald writer, we brought him up every episode so far. Recently, did a uh, ten dishes that changed Sydney article, and what I found quite amusing was that he put Dan Hong's cheeseburger on there, and a bit of history with Miffy. When Miffy was the Timeout editor, she ran a burger wars that <laughs> that, that blew out. A lot bigger than than originally intended, I think, because whoever I think Neil, chefs, it, because it basically evolved. It, it evolved it, it evolved from Neil Perry and and Hongi jokingly arguing over Twitter about whose burger was better, <clears throat> um, because at the time no one had done like a classic, really soft, really simple American cheeseburger, and Neil Perry's was always the one voted as the best. And it's for me, it's an overcomplicated, um, you know, it has wagyu meat. It has the, he makes his own ketchup. He, he makes his own pickles, and that's not that's not what I personally like for a burger. Whereas when Hoggy did his things, it's on a steam bun, like cheap bread, really good meat, American cheese, pickles. 
Heinz ketchup, American mustard. And so it kind of, it started, evolved from there. Miffy thought, well, how fun would it be to do a, a Burger Wars? She actually asked me to be on the voting panel and then I missed the phone call and then call, I got a call again before I woke up, before I, before I called, I, I was probably asleep. It's true. Broke up. It was a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I called Just back, come down. when I called back, she was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. This thing is kind of gone a bit bigger than I, I originally intended and now Verena Audrey is coming well now Jill and, now, now Jill and Terry, Terry are on the, on the voting panel and there was the burgers were like Hongi's burger Neil Perry's burger I think Fassie had yeah, a burger Fassie had a Fassie. Made a Rissol burger <laughs> um, th- there were there were several burgers on, on the menu and um, there was an argument over whether or not Hongi's burgers should be taken seriously and the head of that I believe was Terry yep now so I mean, yeah, I mean, for someone that has always, yeah, I mean, he was—he's definitely was was against it. But it's—I it, thought I thought it was quite awesome that he's come around. On I it think it's really amazing that it's that he's come around with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like one of the most awesome things about Terry is that he's really open to change and he's really open to trying new things. I really wish though. That the, the opening line of that paragraph was okay. I got it wrong, and like a little bit, like you know, I, I, I love humility in writers, and I love I love watching people, you know, admit to yeah that their, that, their, that their opinions changed on something. But yeah, I, I, th- I thought that like, can you tell us more about that that day at all, or have I kind of covered everything? I think you pretty much covered everything. Although I do want to just quickly touch on Hongi's face when <laughs> there's this amazing photo. If you go back on the Timeout website. Um, there's this amazing photo of Neil winning and Hongi just looking so po-faced. Because he didn't Neil, just not like, win. He, his burger came last. Yeah, came Neil, last. Neil yeah. was like hands in the air, just like, ha-ha! <laughs> and like in your face, Hongi, and Hongi's just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and, now, and, and then the other irony on that, beyond just Terry coming around that burger, is that Neil Perry's burger project, the burgers there <laughs> have yeah. much more in common with Hongi's yeah, burger well, well, well. than they do... Soft buns, yeah, exactly. giving meat. They're trying to be like It just Hongi's. shows how, 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 how much Sydney's changed in the, in the last That's few years. That's it, and when, when, when that burger was happening, that was the start of me kind of being a part of... I hadn't even opened my restaurant by that point. And so it was like my introduction to the food world was being an avid supporter of what Hongi and what the Taste of Young Sydney guys are really pushing. And so it is crazy now, six, seven years down the track, to see the impact that everyone's had. Yeah, and what everyone's doing now and the fact that... like, And so you, many... you were championing that too from Time Out. Yeah, I think my biggest criticism generally is I'm always a little bit too early. <laughs> <laughs> And like things just like you I, wrote about something I did when I used to like cook hot wings for parties at midnight to thirty people, and you were like, "This guy Levin's doing some really exciting things." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> That's a stretch, sure, but I'll take it. <laughs> you put us in the timeout people to watch when we just cooked for your birthday party. <laughs> we hadn't done anything. Never else. let the truth get in the way of a good story, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's I great. don't know. I just get excited. That's just, good. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's exciting too to, to know good. that. Yeah. yeah. We hope there's more people coming up under you that are as excited. I just say more funfetti. Everyone mm. just throw more funfetti. Um, do uh, Do we want to end the show on uh, us just making some very way too early predictions? Wait, on, can on I what? can yes. I can I have one one moment before we shut? Yeah, please. So I got an email to my personal email because a couple of episodes ago we slagged off people making risottos and said most people do it wrong. Young apprentice out west, a guy called Pierce, wrote in and asked. He said he's cooking. He wants to know what makes the perfect risotto. So we wanted to go out and see like Alessandra Pavoni, who's won like the world's best risottos out at Omeggio, and we thought he's the expert on it. And then I got to thinking, no, he's probably not the expert on it. 
And there's only one guy I know that's done like risotto on MasterChef <laughs> and managed <laughs> to, to impress the judges. I wasn't where that was going, but I knew it was going to end up on my lap. So since we've got him here and he's clearly better than Alessandro, Daz, for Pierce out west, can you please just give him a little breakdown on what it takes to make the best risotto? Just give me his contact details and I'll email. No, please. We got you. Come on. You did this in front of like five million people on MasterChef. I can't remember what it was, to be honest. Uh, crappy was mushrooms on risotto. Oh. And stuff. Yeah. I thought he was giving me shit because no, I, no, 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 I was watching. I'm so glad Daz is here. Yeah. I was watching Mitch's face as you described Daz, and Mitch was like, oh, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. And then, we want, and then we want to hear Mitch's. So come on, Pierce is like, there. So we have two people at the Mitch and table today that have cooked risottos on MasterChef Darren and Mitch. Let's hear some risotto MasterChef memories. Daz, was yours even risotto? Or I remember, like I remember risotto? Martin Ben taught me how to make. Um, risotto actually mm-hmm. like a, a, a decent one so just you know where was that at? Uh, that was at Tets we did, we did it for Starfies uh, which was like one of the most exciting things I mean you know because I, I know you guys were talking about it last week and about you know this not much cooking going on with the, with the sort of chefs on a section and I, I actually totally agree with that but one of the good thing, things was we used to share the responsibility um, for staff meals which was great um, so you know um, what were the tips? Always use penne pasta. Oh, <laughs> it's just the, just the basic stuff, you know. Just like um, you don't have to. I think back. I think when you when you're a young chef, um, you you're so in a hurry to do everything as fast as possible. And I think you, we 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 rush everything, you know. And I think certainly we overcomplicate things. I think as you get older, I think that's one thing Martin really taught me is just like just patience and just just take time and, and, and give it love. So and basically, Daz doesn't know how to cook risotto. No, he doesn't. I'm pretty sure Shazza made it on the night. No, no, I, no for the Master Chef, I can't remember what it was, but I, you, you had know. mushrooms. Well, yeah, wait, we had Master Chef as well, Shaz. Yeah, he was. He so was, Shaz did oh, the a, funny thing was he Shaz did, did, did a good dish. meringue dish. She was yeah, the lemon meringue. Cool. Yeah. He did the risotto, and it was known as the death dish on Master Chef, yeah. but he had no idea because <laughs> <laughs> he used deadly mushrooms. Apparently, every, like, every, no, yeah, everyone yeah, before no me, the judges yeah, always, everyone that made the risotto was lost. He made cane toad risotto, and I made the first one that completely won. Yeah. Do you really want me to answer this? Yeah, question? give it give it to Piz. And actually, we should go and see Alessandro as well and give it, yeah. get him on. So basically, so sweat off, so sweat off, your, I just sweat off well, some shit. If you, you want to understand risotto, you start with rice. Yep. So risotto rice is two starches. There's a softer outer starch and a, hard, a harder inner starch. So the whole idea of risotto is that you are working the soft starch off and emulsifying that into your stock and fat. And then you are keeping that the firm starch intact so you end up with al dente rice and it's all one consistency it's all harmonious because the starch has worked into the fat so every rice grain is individual but it's all together can you ever do risotto where you start it stop it and start again like you know when they cook half yeah Yeah, you can you can the best way to do it is from start to finish but that's often not feasible Mm -hmm. so there are ways where you can pre-cook it and finish it and often people can't tell Mm -hmm. we all pre-cook it come on in restaurants yeah but basically that's what you're going to stand there and stir it yeah Yeah. that's that's the whole process you've just got to think about working the starch off the rice and emulsifying it so that's why you stir all the time and then it's you know everybody knows you start with the onion and garlic or whatever you can add a bit of wine put your rice in to the hot pan so the rice sort of cracks in a way and the starches sort of open up and they will suck in moisture when you add it then add a bit of stock at a time and stir it's a labor of love so you've got to stir it and keep working the starch and you'll notice it start to thicken up straight away you'll see the starch coming out of the rice 
and then you've just got to cook it until the rice is still al dente and then you finish it with cheese or butter or whatever you like and a way to tell it's cooked properly is when there's still a bit of bites of the rice but when you take a mouthful you don't feel like you need to drink a glass of water after it's not chalky or anything mm. thank you boys so that's there you go Pierce that's the answer go and work for Alessandro and go and eat his restaurant because he makes the best risottos sorry Levis thank you so we're going to end the show with some bold calls. Um, we're going to pretend that we are Miffy Rigby and uh, we're, going to, we're going to report on something two years too early. Is there anything emerging in Sydney at the moment uh, that, that you guys want to bring attention to? Emerging? Oh, like, you know, is there someone doing something exciting that you don't think anyone will, will give credit to? For, or is this something? Is this, is this a take home? Is this some homework? Oh, it's a pretty fucking tough Miffy, one on no, the Miffy spot. in two years' time. Oh, well, you know what I like to do generally is just make things up and hope they come true. <laughs> Put it out there. Give us an example. So, uh, well, let's go with Cane Toad being the next Fugu. That's two years. I give it two years. And that. someone's going to work this out and we're all going to be eating Cane Toad. Uh, I'm going to say that you'll be able to eat something at the airport in two years' time. <laughs> <laughs> Cane Toad? Anything's better than fucking what they have now. Camel hump. <laughs> any other ball calls? I don't have any ball calls. Come on, you can Table do this. Table wish we knew. You've got this. Uh... I reckon nasturtium leaves are going to be turned the right side up again. <laughs> Maryvale will buy a small island and just move their entire <laughs> operation offshore. Um, the Kuji Pavilion will take over all of Kuji. <laughs> it already has. <laughs> You've been listening to the Mitch in. Wait, um, let's, let's talk about... Some upcoming things. Mikey's got some upcoming things okay. that we should give attention to. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been listening to The Mitch and you can find us at what you, let's, uh, let's do the what you're doing. The Mikey, are you going to Tasmania or oh, what? Yeah, I'm going to Tasmania. Sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm going to Tassie. We'll be down there uh, for a big announcement. Yeah. How long are you cooking there? Uh, we're going to be there for like three and a half months. Where are you cooking? Uh, in a part of Franklin restaurant with Dirty Dave Moyle. So uh, we're going to keep those just... ponchos that we used at the feral dinner because it's too much contact with Dave. Uh, and this isn't just Mike Owens, this is the entire Pinbone All crew. the Pinbone, yeah. We're, we're going to pop down there. So, yeah, uh, keep an eye out. The details are a little uh, sketchy at the moment. We're waiting for some approvals. But it is happening and we will be doing something pretty pretty cool down there. And Dave's a fucking legend. He's just letting us bump in. This is really cool. It also means that we lose Mike as a host for a few months. I'll fly back for this. Yeah. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> Shaz has got nothing going on. Daz, what do you got? Um, three Ducks launching their own aftershave <laughs> for Christmas. It's uh, organic. And it's uh, drinkable. Why don't you plug so. the book? It's just it's just I raw quail eggs. And cow juice. I'm going off to Byron. Get his book. And uh, I'll see you guys yeah. in about six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you'll be a dad by then? Yeah, yeah. Three, uh, <laughs> three or four weeks. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, so that's exciting stuff. Awesome. So shout out to Mags, who's Mags. been home alone for a month. Killing it. Partying our socks off, no doubt. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're, they're Party's over. Two Three Blue Ducks restaurants, in one in Sydney, one in Byron, if you ever... Yes, come and say hi. Um, of course, we said he's doing nothing, but Shaz can be found at LP's Quality Meats. And wet, and wet. Quality Meats. Hands on sausage all day, every day. Every <laughs> day under the air. Almost every Smoking. video you see on LP's Instagram of sausage making is Shaz. He's fucking good. He's got his hands on it. He's, he yeah, it's what good he's fun. Doing. He it's is good. the Chippendale of Chippendale. <laughs> Um, and uh, Miffy, Good Food Month, almost over. What happens after that? Oh, after that, I'm actually goes on I'm, fu- I'm fucking off to Byron for a week. Hey, so you've I'll got see sweet. You. you got sweet. What's he? Yeah, I've got Sweet Fest coming up this weekend, so we'll miss that on the podcast. Um, no, it comes out Friday. Comes out Friday. Comes out Friday. So okay. This, this weekend, Catch is Sweet, sweet Fest. Fest Saturday, Sunday. We've got Alistair Wise uh, coming up from Hobart, and he is. 
probably one of my favourite patissiers in the country. That's He's a man. sweary, bad, bad man. And we also have Dan Leppard all the way from London and a bunch of other really cool people doing really, really cool stuff. Dan's doing a dinner at Estos. And Dan's yeah. doing, well, it's sold out now, but there's a dinner on <laughs> Monday, we, we're, we're, we're Monday night at Estos. It's Sydney. There'll be cancellations. So yeah. ring them up and get yeah. on the wait list. 100%. Yeah. Come along to Esther. It's going to be really, really fun. And Alistair's doing a dinner at Yellow on Monday night as well, which should be a really good one because he's going to be doing all savouries. So I'm I'm always a big fan of sweet people turning the tables and doing a whole lot of savoury stuff. I think it's really cool. Keep an eye out online too for the game dinner in London. Annalise Gregory's yeah. over there with Maddie, and Ma- and Maddie Matt Lindsay. Lindsay. And Dave Pint too. Dave if you're Pint's there, so and book in for How I Eat on the 25th because that's going to be massively fun. Yeah, and we're all there because she just gave us free tickets. So I we'll did. be there Thank with you. Much. Thanks, Miff. Great. Um, and you can find everybody who's been on the show today online. Miffy is on Instagram and Twitter as at Miffy Rigby. Darren is Darren3BlueDucks. Mitch is Instacrill on Instagram. Krillin on the run on Twitter. Shaz is Sadiate Shaz. Is Satiate Shaz. Satiate Shaz. Can yes. you spell that, Shaz? S-A-T-I-A-T-E. S-H-A-Z. That's your restaurant. That was in... That was my old restaurant in Bangalore. So also on the hashtag... Smoke meets the best meat every day. So if you follow that hashtag, you'll see him with hands on sausage. Lukey's famous uh, hashtag, yes. Pal, former guest. Uh, and uh, Mike is, of course, Pinbone on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And you can find me, Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. And The Mitchin can be found facebook.com slash The Mitchin. If you've liked the episode, please leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, I would like a LOL Levens review up there to match all the LOL Mitch reviews we've got up there. So When you're LOL, you'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to The Mitchin. We'll be back next week. Thanks to all our guests. Goodbye. It's The Mitchin Podcast. All right, a little bit of bonus Mitchin for you. Um, Taz, you meant not to eat it yet. <laughs> so... Uh, I thought we'd do a little product review. Um, 7-Eleven and Twisties have teamed up to make what I think is the worst snack of all time. Um, Twisties Sour. Um, Twisties, of course, are a a long-running Australian snack that you can find in either cheese or chicken flavor. Um, Normal people like cheese. Weird people like chicken. Uh, But this is sour flavor. I had it the other night, and uh, it's disgusting. Miffy, what's your reaction? (laughs) Tastes like a warhead. Yeah, it's like not salty at all. It's like this awful sweet concoction. Daz, you got any thoughts? Um, I'd rather eat a cane toad. <laughs> Mitch is going in. Mike's going in. Mike, what do you think? That's really, really fucking disgusting. Yeah. Eh? It's kind of like licking the floor at Coogee Pavilion. <laughs> Shaz, Shaz, what do you think? It's kind of like lifesavers, but not life-saving. I was going to say like cool cordial. That old green cordial, way sweet, very, very artificial. It's so fucking shit. What are you doing, Twisties, you fuckwits? No, you know what it tastes like? Fruit Loops tastes like just like Fruit Loops. It's not sour. But but the uh, the the actual like foundation of the Twisty is still a little bit savoury. So but yeah, uh, I actually found it too sour. I I ate half the bag coming driving home, going like, oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's still bad. I wonder. Oh yeah, it's still bad. And then so I I I I sealed the top and uh, it's my gift to you. Dust in my mustache and it won't go away. Uh, uh, every week, every week, I br- um, someone brings beautiful food to the Mitchin and I've never brought anything. And this is my contribution to the podcast. Nine episodes and I bring the grossest thing ever made. Thank you for listening to the Mitchin. Goodbye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.